This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That I'm joined on Football CFB by Motherwell's assistant manager, Keith Lasley. Had a, an incredible career with the club in two spells. Also played down south with Plymouth and Blackpool, respectively, as well. First of all, Keith, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Um, you know, obviously, we've been back now for two or three weeks, which is great. And, yeah, preparations are going well and, and looking forward to the, the season starting in a couple of weeks now. You were someone who played quite late into your 30s. What was the transition for you like into coaching? Was it something you could always see yourself doing? Uh, not always is probably the honest answer. I think, you know, uh, you know, having said that, I did start my coaching uh, badges, if you like, pretty early. It was probably mid-20s, 25, 26, when I first started looking at doing my badges. But even at that point, I think you're really doing them without any sort of plan, which, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, real career path, if you like, you know, a real vision of what it's going to be. For me, it probably was really when I went to do my A-license, which I think I was probably, I think, early 30s, that, that you start actually thinking that obviously coinciding with you getting into the twilight years, shall we say, of, of your, your playing career. So... You know, once that happens and once you, you, you get a feeling for the course and whether you feel as if you can actually add value as a coach, uh, I don't think you want to begin into it uh, just for the sake of it. Um, or certainly I didn't. Um, so really, I think from that point on, I would probably say around about 30, 31, that I really felt as if it was something that I wanted to pursue and, and subsequently then moved on through the pro licence and starting to do bits and pieces at, at, at Motherwell uh, in terms of, you know, through the, the, the younger teams and starting to, uh, you know, dip my toe in, if you like, in that side of it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, once I was into it, I was into it. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly in the early stages, even with my coaching badges, still hadn't quite worked out what that was going to look like. Without giving the, the game away and giving the secrets of the success under yourself and, and Stephen Robinson, what's Stephen like to work with on a daily basis? Because he's clearly a manager who's highly thought of. He's been linked with so many big clubs in Scotland and down south. And obviously he was linked with a, a national team job recently as well. But he's staying at Motherwell and you must be delighted because, as I say, the job that you're doing is incredible. Yeah, I mean, listen, on record, the saying he's... For me, he's been fantastic, you know, for, for, the, for if you like, my first um, venture into, you know, kind of full-time at, at the coalface coaching for him to be the guy that's kind of leading that and to, to, to be assisting him in that uh, in uh, the last three years has been great for me, a great learning curve. You know, the best word I would use to describe him is probably r relentless, um, relentless in his pursuit of uh, you know, winning, but uh, you know, uh, improving players, um, the actual structure of the club, trying to improve that in any way we can, the culture of the club, you know, so every single facet of the football club, I think the energy that he uh, he brings to that on a daily basis is um, is the first thing that comes to mind, to be honest, and 
uh, yeah, I mean, he's driven the club from a time when he took over. I was still playing, obviously. They were very close to relegation. You know, he, you know, he had, I think he's done two or three different jobs since he's been in the, the, the job, if you like. You know, I think avoiding relegation when he first got in the door. Transitioning a lot of older players out the, <laughs> out the club, myself included, which, uh, you know, myself, Stephen Hamill, Steve McManus... Uh, Scott McDonald, Stephen Pearson, you know, there's a, a list of players there that were kind of c- coming, as I say, transitioning out of um, playing and, uh, you know, uh, different routes out of the football club. Um, and really, you know, that was job one. Job two is to actually assemble the team, you know, which we did in that first year, which went well. Uh, got a little bit of stick for the, time, the way we played at times, but, uh, you know, unfairly in my eyes, but, uh, you know, certainly what it was, it was effective football and culminated in two National Cup finals, which was great. And then after that, you know, we started the following season pretty poorly and, and the manager, A, identified that and B, had the courage to, to actually almost rip it up and start again in the January break. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do, particularly at a club that, of our size and our resources uh, because you can't just go and buy 11 new players. You know, you've got to coach it. You've got to try and wheel and deal from any recruitment that you can. Uh, but we managed to do that, you know, a year last January, and and since then the turnaround and our fortunes has been has been marked again. So a different style, a different formation, uh, but he's managed to drive that, and and um, you know I think ever since we've we've, we've really pushed on as a club. Uh, you know, obviously there's individually played some players of of have really progressed and, and ultimately moved on and. Uh, so, you know, in the overall package of things, he's had so much on his plate, if you like, so much, uh, as I said, there's two or three jobs in there, I think, not just one job. And again, even from a personal point of view, to see that uh, from the inside and be a part of that, um, it's certainly helped my development. As a coach, is it beneficial to you, the fact that when you were coming through as a player, you worked with James McFadden, who for me is arguably the most talented player to come out of Motherwell in the last sort of 20 years everyone's seen what he's done down south in the Premier League we all know about the famous Scotland goal I'm sure he, he likes reminding everybody of that as well um, in terms of the, the likes of David Turnbull I know Jake Hastie's now back on loan Alan Campbell and the rest of the young guys James Scott that have come through is it useful for you having played with James and, and saw the limelight that was shone in him at a young age does that help you when you're coaching them to keep their feet in the ground um yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a number of uh, one of a number of experiences that you try and pick up as a player along the way. Um, again, you know, uh, you know, even in terms of players I played alongside, James being one of them. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, you see James really sprung onto the scene like a David Turnbull, as you say, like an Alan Campbell, like a James Scott. Um, and yeah, it does, I suppose, you know, you, you pick up little things along the way, you pick up things, as I say, from players, from ex-managers, I, you know, I, I went through, I think it was into double figures, the amount of managers I played under at the club, um, and good and bad, uh, you know, you pick up little things, certainly, uh, that, that you then take into your own, uh, you know, your own job and your own experience, you know, so, uh, you know, that does, you know, little things like that help, Um I wouldn't say, in all, in all honesty, they're a massive, um, you know, driver, if you like, or a massive influence in what we do. But, you know, certainly I think there are um, certain situations, as you say, with certain parallels of of uh, things that have maybe happened in your playing career that you can, you know, bring to, you know, the, the everyday uh, situations that do arise. So, and managing young players is one of those, you know, it's part of our, part of our thing, part of our major... Um, you know, drive it at Motherwell is to produce and, and develop young players. So, um, 
you know, as I, yeah, as I said, to have him played alongside probably one of the best and James and saw him develop at the club, but, uh, you know, it certainly does help, um, you know, when I'm passing on information to, you know, young players coming through just now. Rewinding back to, to your playing career, what was it like for you growing up with football? Were you always a midfield player or were you one of the typical guys that starts as a striker and then what's their way back? Uh, no, I was never a striker, I don't think. I don't think I was ever quick enough for that, unfortunately. I would have liked to have been. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of slightly different route into football. I never went through an academy system. I left school to be an electrician, served my apprenticeship. You know, thought my chance of football was over, to be honest. And it was really through Billy Davis, who was just about to take over the Motherwell job. He actually, as part of his own coaching journey, he trained my boys club a, a, a night a week in Paisley. Uh, Glenifer Thistle and um, it was really just through that relationship that he when he got the job he just I was obviously working during uh, you know during the day and he, he phoned me and said look would you like to come up for a trial and at that point I'm 19 years old you know you think your, your chance is gone really um, you know as I said having never been involved in an academy you just don't think I don't think professional football was going to be uh, my profession at any point really um so, yeah, I mean, he, he asked me up at that point and, you know, went up and played a couple of games. And funnily enough, I talk about not being a striker, but I actually scored two goals in, the, <laughs> in the, the trial games, which I think they thought they were signing a goal-scoring midfielder, which they were sadly mistaken, as the years proved, uh, as the years rolled on. But, um, but, yeah, I managed to do OK in the games and then, you know, I managed to, uh, you know, get off of the contract and finish my trade test. You know, it was a kind of six months... Uh, lag if you like I had left in my apprenticeship so I was determined to finish that first but once as soon as I finished that I would then went and signed a, a contract with Morrow so um but yeah I mean in terms of actual play always a midfield player um uh, you know I think I think I probably was always a similar time I mean when I first broke into the Motherwell team I, I mainly certainly under Terry Butcher I mainly kind of played on the right almost as a kind of inside right oh you know never a winger but I kind of tucked in uh, right on that right-hand side uh, just for the team that we had. You know, we had Scott Leach in the midfield, Scott Leach and Derek Adams, I think, at the time. Uh, I kind of pretty settled centre uh, midfield player. So, you know, to get in the team, that was kind of the area that I could get in the team. So, um, so but always midfield, always a midfield area. You know, always liked that combative nature uh, of the game. Always said an engine rather than being any physical specimen, but I, I was always fit and... Um, you know, I think probably it was one of my best attributes, even in my latter years, I always retained that level of fitness. And, you know, if you want to play, you want to have longevity, you know, that's certainly something that you have to try and keep. So I was lucky that way. But, um, but yeah, always a midfielder, always that area of the pitch. What were your early beginnings like when you break into the first team? Because you've got Billy Davis, who is a demanded manager. He's had success in his career and playoffs in numerous times, which shows that he demands a lot from his players, but he's been successful with it. And, when you go into that team, you've also got, you mentioned Scott Leach, a big character, and, and him as your captain. What were they like with you as, as a youngster coming through? Um, you know, excellent, really. I mean, I think uh, it, it, there's probably two ways I, I, I looking at it. It's probably pre-administration and post-administration for me were, were two totally different things. I mean, when I first went into Motherwell, um, and Billy was the manager, and, and Billy first and foremost, I think was was excellent. A very intense, uh, you know, character, very intense guy. Um, but uh, you know, you could always just tell he was very good. You know, you could always tell he was destined to, you know, go on and, and do what he done. To be honest with you, but he was, uh, you know, he was very intense, very hard on the players, very, um, 
you know, unforgiving. Uh, you know, as was the kind of probably the the, the culture around uh, about that time, but um, but knew his stuff. You know, that was the underlying thing. He was very hard, but he had that impression that he knew what he was talking about. You know, and if anything, I think ahead of his time um, by a number of years. Uh, to be honest, in terms of even in terms of the way we were training and. Um, you know, the sports science element and all things like that. I think he was way ahead of his his time. Um, but as I said, when I went first went into that dressing room, I really was a young boy. He felt very inadequate. Didn't really think I deserved to be there. You know, guys like Andy Gorham and John Spencer, Don Goodman. You know, all these guys, and you're getting landed in that that environment. And I'm thinking, you know, I just felt like a wee boy to be honest with you among men. Um, uh, so. Although, I, I mean, I managed to get my debut and you're kind of flipping around the edges, I never really felt like a motherable player, to be perfectly honest. And it really did take, probably, as I say, to the post-administration, which was, you know, a terrible episode for the for the football club. But, you know, one silver lining, if you like, is not not me. Uh, but, but I think a group of young boys ended up getting their chance, uh, like some myself and Faddy. And uh, Stevie Hamill was actually already in and about it. Stephen Pearson... You know, all these guys that then went on to, to play a lot of games for the club, that was probably the biggest driver to that was the, was the you know, the unfortunate event of the, the administration. And, and it really was only then that I started to feel like a motherable player, you know, as if I was actually making a proper contribution to the football club. Um, and then, you know, he started to play alongside the likes of Scott Leach and, and guys like that. And Scott was great, as I said. From after that, we ended up with a young squad, you know, so to have that experience of Scott in that time is invaluable. Um, you know, alongside Terry Butcher, who, uh, you know, came in as a manager. Uh, you know, Terry with Scott. Scott was really his gaffer in the dressing room, if you like. And as I said, with the young boys, or the young uh, age range that we had in the, the dressing room at that time, that's exactly what we needed. And Scott certainly marshaled it uh, very well. And somebody I certainly still, when I took over the captaincy, it was somebody that I... Um, you know, certainly looked up to and referenced back to in terms of the way I wanted to go about it. So, uh, you know, he was a big influence. And as I said, that was really, I feel, the kind of start of my Malibu career, although I'd already made my debut in that earlier period. I want to ask you about one of the players you mentioned there, and that's Stephen Pearson. Obviously, he got his move to Celtic, played down south of Derby. Just how good a player was he? Because he's someone that I don't think gets spoken about anymore an awful lot for the talent that he had. Yeah, and, and what talent he had, uh, you know, you talk about engines. I mean, Piero could run, literally run all day. You know, he could play, probably play three games of football on a Saturday um, if he really pushed him. Um, a fantastic engine, had an eye for a goal. And uh, probably, again, going back to that era, it was you played centre midfield. You know, you weren't a six or an eight or a ten or a, you know... Uh, a CDM or a, you know, all these, uh, I think everybody has that defined role nowadays. I mean, Piro literally was that that box to box midfielder. You know, he could do a bit of everything. He was hard enough, he had legs, he could nick a goal. Uh, as I said, he could run all day. And I think what he did was affect football matches. Was he, the, was he a James McFadden in terms of his skill set? Um, was he. Uh, you know, get the ball and spray 60, 70 yard passes about all day? No, possibly not. But what he could do is run off you all day long. And for a midfielder, I know myself, uh, you know, that's the hardest thing to play against. The hardest thing to play against a midfielder, when things are in front of you, it's great. You can go and press and you can shuffle across. If you're playing against somebody that's constantly running off the back of you and, uh, for 90 minutes, you know, not for half an hour, but for 90 minutes, 
that is tough to play against. And there's, you know, particularly nowadays, there's not many, but at any point in football, to have that asset in your team is is, uh, is invaluable. And, uh, you know, I think Stephen, as you see, he's maybe not had the credit of, uh, you know, that he's due, um, but, you know, such an effective player to play alongside. And, um, and a, you know, a great teammate as well would, would you know, run through a brick wall for the, for, for the team. Um, and I think that's what we had in general. You know, we had young boys that would, you know, run through a brick wall for Motherwell, you know, and um, it doesn't matter what team you're in, you know, if you've got that collective spirit um, and some, some talent to go, to go with it, you know, you're, you're going to do okay. You mentioned pre- and post-administration. Post-administration, you've got Terry Butcher. I mean, what is he like as a character when he's your manager? Because from the outside looking in, he just seems like a, an incredibly passionate guy and also somebody that if you'd a stinker, wouldn't he be shy and telling you? Aye, that's uh, very true. He would not be shy. Um, aye, I mean, I've seen a couple of doors come off the hinges at various restrooms <laughs> across Scotland, uh, which is uh, which is quite entertaining. It wasn't at the time, it was quite scary, but it's, uh, it's funny to think back. But listen, you know, he wasn't always like that. And I think sometimes managers, you know, I had, I think, a Terry, I think Archie Knox, you know, guys that have that reputation, if you like, within the game. But, you know, what what you find with these people are, I've found in my experience, are they're hard. Yeah, they have their moments where, you know, you get told and that's the end of it. Um, but they're fair. You know, it's, it's done at the right time. It's not done for the sake of it. It's not done every single week uh, because I think if that happens then it loses its feeling you know it's done with a sense of kind of truth and feeling behind it you know it's done at the right time as I say and you know I think for as many times as Terry as I say maybe took a door off the hinge he backed us to the hilt you know as a group of young players and we felt that you know and I think that's important to feel as a player you know it's not all about always getting a pat on the back but if you're you know if you're you know, got managers having a go at you, but you know deep down he's doing it for the right reasons and he cares about you and you know he displays that, then you know it has you know a much better uh, outcome, a much better uh, feeling behind it, and you take it basically. You know, you know he's he's saying something or he's he's uh, you know he's been offing one if you like for the right reasons, and that's to make you as good as you can be and try and help you. You know, so. But he was great. I've got to say, he was a, he was a leader for us. I'm talking about Scott Leach being a leader in the dressing room. Terry was just a leader full stop for the football club. And I think particularly at that time when the club was, uh, you know, going through a tough time, there's no doubt. I think to have somebody of Terry's stature and, and um, you know, knowledge of football and, as I said, somebody that was a real father figure to a, to a young dressing room, um, you know, I think that was a big reason why uh, you know, the club actually moved forward the way, the way it did through that tough time. Did he tell you stories about what it was like when he played for England and the famous picture with the bandage and the blood? Uh, well, <laughs> I, what, what, what I would recommend with anybody is, we never really spoke about that that much, but he did, you know, he, he did he had some great stories to tell and one bit of advice I would give anybody is never to mention the word Maradona around him because he's... Uh, He's likely to take your kid off, uh, is the, to be honest, because uh, that's that's still something that is very true. I'm not saying that flippantly. As the mention of Maradona sends him into, uh, I it could be taking a few doors off the hinges like I just spoke about there a minute ago. It's, it's something I know still um, still hurts him. Um, but but yeah, you know, as I said, somebody that's been there, done it, done everything. You know, even us as young young boys, you know, we we 
I'd watched on it, you know, Italian 80 and the World Cups and, uh, you know, World Cup 86. I'm old enough to remember that, you know. So, um, you know, to have him, he was your gaffer. You know, you went through watching him on the telly and now he's the guy, as I said, he's backing you to the hill. He's, he's uh, right behind you. He's, he's he, you know, he, he, he was somebody that certainly I personally looked up to so much, literally looked up to because of his, his, his stature. Uh, the size of him, but just looked up to and, and uh, as that leader and um, no, just great, a fantastic guy as well. I've met him, you know, obviously so many occasions since he's moved up, then moved on to his further career and somebody that's just always get time to stop and talk to you and um, you know, it's it's always a pleasure actually bumping into him whenever you know whenever you get the chance. What was it like in your first spell at the club when you played against Celtic Rangers? And the reason I mentioned those two clubs, not to try and be cliched with mentioning them, but at that time you had the likes of Henrik Larsson playing, you had Barry Ferguson who was really coming through and at the peak of his powers with Rangers, you had so many big names that when you look at back at that era of Scottish football, a lot of people think, wow, the, the quality in the league from the only Celtic Rangers, but every team at least had one player or a couple of players that were of a real high standard. What was it like playing away from home, especially against that quality? Um, <clears throat> an education is probably one way of putting it. You know, I made my debut, funnily enough, I made my debut at Ibrox. Um, and in those days, yeah, I mean, it was the Advocates team. You know, I remember in midfield, it was Barry Ferguson, George Alberts, uh, Van Bronckhorst, Claudio Reyna, I think. I think two guy comes on, come onto the game. You know, Arthur Newman was playing. Yeah, I mean, you go through Stephen Kloss and goals, Michael Moles, and you go through that team and you just think, wow. I mean, you know, when we went to Ibrox, uh, certainly in those days, and you know, then on probably on the kind of Martin O'Neill team of Celtic, we were a different team in style. You know, a lot more of a powerful and um, you know, really on their game with just steamroller over the top of you. Um, but, you know, particularly that Rangers game, my debut, I'll never forget. I mean, for reasons for making your debut, but just for, I came off of that game and I was actually mentally just charred because, uh, you know, I ran myself into the ground, but I've been thinking so much, just all the decisions you had to make in terms of when to press and, uh, you know, when not to press and the, the way they played round you, the way they rotated uh, to keep possession, it was just really a level of football that I had just never experienced, you know. So, um, an education, as you say, and as I said, I remember my head just being fried after that game. We actually played quite well in the game. I think we lost 2-0, which in those days was probably you know, the worst result we had at Ibrooks and Parkhead. Um, but, you know, that feeling of, right, this is a different level, you know, you're playing against. Um, so, uh, steep learning curve, but something that, you know, definitely uh, followed down the line, it definitely helps you progress as a player playing against that standard and that calibre of player. How do you sum up your first time at Motherwell? Because you were clearly attracting interest from other clubs, you were doing well in the park. How do you handle that when, you're, when you've came through? You mentioned the fact you didn't come through an academy, so you break into the first team then you're starting to get recognised for your performances. How did you handle that? Um, probably not very well, to be honest. That's really the year I left um, in 04. It's probably the first time that MD was really interested in me. You know, I wasn't, uh, as I said, the background I'd had and never really burst onto the scene. I come on and then I kind of bobbed along. And then, as I say, administration, then I kind of started to slowly 
establish myself. Uh, you know, I wasn't a young boy that burst onto the scene, as I say, so I never really had any real interest in me. Um, and probably that season, as I say, was the first time, and I probably jumped at a chat thinking, you know, oh, there's people interested in me, and, and, and probably got ahead of myself a wee bit. And, you know, looking back now, should I have left? Probably not. Um, was it the right move? You know, it's hard. It's so hard in hindsight. You know, it's easy in hindsight. Uh, but there was a couple of clubs up here interested in me. Obviously, Plymouth, uh, which ended up going to. And, and the thing that tipped it for me was actually, if you remember, it was actually the first year of the championship in 04 or 05 uh, in England. Plymouth had just been uh, just won what League One is now to get into the championship. And it was really the league more than anything. You know, the chance... Of, of playing in England and playing in that division, you thought, you know, there's some big football clubs, and I think West Ham were in it, Leeds were in it. Uh, you know, you go through the teams, you have some big, big football, Sunderland, I think, were in it. So uh, just having the chance to of something different. And again, you know, not being too self-deprecating, but as a boy that had been off a, on a building site two or three years earlier, I just never thought I'd get the chance, to be perfectly honest. And when the chance comes, it's, it's like... Oh, right, I, I, I didn't think this would happen, so I, you kind of jump into it. So hindsight's a wonderful thing, but at the time I thought I felt it was right. It never quite worked out for me. I still had a great experience. I still feel as if I come back a better player, and it ultimately helped me in my second spell at Motherwell. Um, but really that's what it was, and it, um, you know, that, as I say, that, that the kind of first time people had been interested in me. Getting down there, a steep learning curve for, for any player that moves from, from Scotland to the Championship. And you, you get down there with a gaffer and Bobby Williamson, who had managed in Scotland and is an incredible character. Just just what was he like? Because everyone I've interviewed has said there's nothing quite like him. He's, he's, he's definitely definitely unique. Yeah, I, I got on great with, with Bobby. You know, I, you know, I think any manager that takes you, you know, uh, is willing to come and you know, take you back, not buy you, I was a free transfer, but have the faith in you, if you like, to take you down to England and give you that platform. I think there's, straight away, there's a, a feeling of, you know, you want to repay him, you want to, you know, build that good relationship. And I think it was there, you know, he was moving down himself. Um, you know, he hadn't long been in the job, so you felt as if he was just down there, I was just down there. There was two or three Scottish players actually went down. Lee Mako went down, uh, Stephen Milne went down, Stevie Crawford went down. So it's quite a few of us moved down and uh, together, if you like, you know. So, um, you know, I had a really good relationship with them. Um, different to, to, you know, I'm talking about Billy Davis, that intensity and his build-up, you know, totally different to that. A bit more laid back, I would say, and he's, and he's um, uh, coaching, if you like, you know. Um, but no, I mean, I, I just, I just got on great with him, and, and I never. It never ended great, as I said, you know, Bobby moved on and then, you know, other managers came in. But certainly under Bobby, I went down and I played. I started the first kind of half of the season. Um, um, and, you know, I think being in a place like Plymouth, where you are so far away, removed from everywhere else, um, you do build relationships even with the manager, you know, because he was down there. So you used to see him out in town or whatever. And when he was walking about, it's not the biggest place, Plymouth. So you would, you would bump into each other even when you're not out in the... And on the training pitch, you know, so, um, but good, you know, I got on well with him. It never quite worked out for him, but uh, down there either. Um, but you know, that's football. Um, but him and Jerry McCabe, who got down as his assistant, you know, Jerry, I still speak to regularly actually. 
um, you know, got on well with, with all the staff, really. What's it like playing in that championship? Because Saturday, Tuesday, pretty consistently all the time, you don't really have time to think between games because obviously 46 games, it's more than we play up here. Was that something that you took a while to adapt to? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of things football-wise, it was a physicality of it, really. Um, no, surprised me, you know, you kind of knew it was coming, but it still did give you a little bit of a surprise in terms of the athleticism of the players overall. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest in stature myself, um, and I knew I was going to have to play a little bit of catch-up, but maybe not quite how much uh, I thought I would have to. So that's something I had to try and do. I had to try and find a way to affect football matches in a different way and um, and try and get better in the meantime in terms of my, my own uh, strength, if you like, and, and athleticism. Um, but the biggest thing off the pitch was the travelling. You know, as you say, the amount of games. You know, I remember, I mean, I can remember a couple of weeks. I remember we went to Ipswich, I think, on a Saturday. This was early in the season. And then we were at Preston on a Tuesday night. So we go to, I mean, if you think Preston to Ipswich is, is a bit of a, a trek back and then up to Preston on a on a on the Tuesday night, you know. So it gives you an idea of I don't know how many miles that is all in, but um, you know you're doing a lot of travelling at that time. We, we flew to a couple of games actually at a small airport in Plymouth, and we flew. I think we flew up to Sunderland and um, it was maybe one other game. But I mean, this is mostly on the coach, you know, from Plymouth, which. Uh, you know, geographically, I think we were about an hour and a half up to Bristol, even, and then you get to Bristol and you've still got, you know, maybe three, four hours up to Preston. So you'd be sitting on a bus for five, six hours, uh, you know, after a game, get back, and then, as I say, you're playing again on a Tuesday night. So the incessant nature of it was, it did take a little bit of getting used to, to be honest. Um, I think the boys that had been there, the English boys, they were used to it, you know, they were used to it in League One and just, you know, used to the travelling, but that's certainly something that took me aback a, a little bit. And just a level of games, and that's, it's actually funny, it's actually something that the manager, our manager at the moment, Stephen Robinson, talks about all the time, because in England, it's quite hard to actually mould your team tactically, because you just don't get a lot of time to do it. You know, it's all about the next game, the next game, the next game. Uh, you know, there's a lot of recovery uh, and just, you know, short, sharp training sessions. There's not a lot of time to actually tactically plan your week and uh, and work on, you know, a lot more detail um, that he finds he gets in Scotland. So, um, you know, it's different from that point of view. From a coaching point of view, I imagine it being quite quite tough as well. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, different. And, and you have to be resilient, you have to be robust um, in terms of injuries as well because it's a long, uh, it's a long slog and a long season. Who were the best players you played against down there? Um, I remember, actually one that sticks out is Teddy Sheringham. I remember we played West Ham one day at, um, at Upton Park it was. Obviously they've moved now, but I think we could beat 5-0. Actually, we got absolutely hammered, and he was just a class above. You know, at that point, obviously, I think that would have been the twilight of his career. I think he was maybe 38, actually 38, 39 years old. I think he played, it was that late, 37, 38. And just that classic position, you know, just, I think they maybe had, I think it was, Mar I want to say Marlon Harewood through the middle. I might be wrong there, but I think as the number nine and then Teddy Sheringham as that kind of second striker, if you like, you know, falling into that number 10 position. And just his vision, range of pass, never looked in a hurry, always had time, it, it, you know, 
different level stuff, you know, just that th- speed of thought and obviously didn't have the legs anymore, but just aye, a real finesse and somebody you could just tell it played at the very, very top level. And I, I was actually a sub that day. I think I got on late on, but just actually to sit and watch him was was uh, <laughs> was pretty, uh, pretty special, to be honest with you. So I think he's one that definitely, definitely stands out. When Bobby leaves the club and he gets replaced by Tony Pulis, did you know it was it was time up for you at Plymouth then? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You know, I think I think as a player sometimes you kid yourself on, you think, oh, I'll get a chance, I'll get a chance, even when all the signs are there that you're not going to get a chance pretty much, you know. Um, you know, you're starting to get left out at certain training sessions, you're starting to, you know, you go from being on the bench to maybe sitting in the stand and then you're not tra- you know not travelling and then you might get a little sniff again on the bench and you think oh no I'm back in but you're only really in there because somebody's injured or something you know so I think as I said I was probably in a wee bit of denial if the truth be told I probably should have tried to initiate a loan move earlier than I did you know ultimately I ended up going to Blackpool uh, on loan but uh, you know you're the, I think as a player you just I've moved down there. I want to make it as success as I can, and I was in that mindset probably for a bit too long. You know, I probably should have just bit the bullet and and, and moved on earlier. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tony Tony Pulis was what you know what you see Tony Pulis doing. He was very organised. You know, we worked on our shape every single day. Um, you know, and he got as organised and he got results. There's, there's no doubt about that. As a coach now, I actually, as a player, I probably didn't appreciate it. But now, sitting as a coach, I can actually appreciate the work that he did with the team in a short period of time. Um, but unfortunately for me, I was, you know, surplus to requirements. So, and that's fine. You know, fine. Sitting now, I accept that. At the time, you're kind of, you don't quite accept it as easily. As I say, uh, but eventually, uh, you know, I worked out. No, time's up. It's it's time to move on, and you know, I eventually did that by moving to Blackpool. As I say, before we talk about the Blackpool loan, how do you deal with the situation when you're used to coming through at Motherwell? You're playing week in, week out. You've got confidence. You get down there with Bobby for the first half of that season with Bobby. You're playing. You're in and around the team. How do you cope when you talked about they have been left out of the squad altogether or told not to travel? I mean, what do you do in that situation? Um, it's difficult. I mean, again, coming from the background I did, I was certainly not going to give up. You know, I see, I still see football as a as a privilege to be involved in it, to call it my job. Having, you know, as I said, you know, I feel grateful that I, I you know, I, I have had a proper job in inverted commas. Um, uh, so that's always driven me to not give up and push. And as I said, if anything, I probably should have given up a little bit earlier. As I said, but but you try. You, you, you try everything, you know, you try training as hard as you can, doing little bits of extra, hopefully the manager notices that, but as I said, all the signs were there, but, you know, and sometimes it happens, you know, sometimes you can actually be training well, and but for whatever reason, a manager just does, you know, you don't fit into his particular way, he wants to play in a, in a certain position, and that's fine, as I said, I accept that now more than I probably did at the time. For me personally, I think it did dent my confidence, you know, I think it's probably, it's hard not to, for that to happen as a player, um, but yeah, I think it probably dented my confidence a bit. And um, as you say, you go from a point where you're playing every week. You've, you know, the fans like you, the you know, the manager likes you, and your teammates know you're a good player. Whereas going, you know, then down there to a situation where you're out the team, you're maybe not even travelling to games. 
and you lose a bit of confidence within the group, within your teammates. You lose a bit of confidence um, from the fact, you know, the fans not really rating you, or that fear of, you know, who's this boy for Scotland? He's rubbish, and and you know, so you, you just you just look maybe lose a wee bit of your mojo. So um, and that's what the loan deal ultimately is 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 hopefully there there for to try and go and discover that and try and rediscover that and. Um, I think before I left Black, to do the Blackpool uh, loan, I probably was low, you know, mentally. I wasn't in a great place, but, uh, you know, as I said, it just came to a point. I thought, right, I need to do something here. You know, I need to, uh, you know, I'm just in a, a bit of a rut here. I need and something needs to change. And as I said, ultimately that then uh, went to the, you know, moved on to the, 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 the move to, to Blackpool. You, you, you go to Blackpool, you're on loan there. In the back of your mind when you're there, are you thinking towards the summer and where your next move permanently is going to be, or are you fully just, just fully focused and getting into Blackpool and trying to play as well as you can? Um, just getting in and playing as well as I can is the first thing. Um, you know, I think Blackpool, they weren't in a great uh, place when I went there, to be honest with you. In League One, I think lower half of League One, flirting with relegation, really, just above the relegation places. I don't think Simon Grayson had actually, who was a manager at the time, had really seen me play a lot. I think it was maybe probably done through, or was done more through agents and, and things like that, rather than him really wanting Keith Lasley at his football club. It was one of them. So I think even although he took me, I still had to prove to him that I was I could actually play and get in his team. So, um, you know, that was the first objective for me. You know, luckily I managed to do that. Uh and get in and play a few games, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and um, you know, actually, what happened at the end of that, I, I was committed to going back to Blackpool. I really enjoyed the state in, in Lytham, which is a lovely little town. Uh, club were good to me, you know, a club which you know is well documented since did have issues off the on and off the pitch, but I felt comfortable there. I felt as if I did start to, as I said before, get a little bit of my confidence back. I felt as if I was actually. A football player again actually having an effect on a football team um, and you know as I say my confidence started to grow a little bit enjoyed the area wasn't too far from actually getting back home to see my family as well um, and I was I, I was due to get married that summer and I, I pretty much verbally agreed a contract go on holiday a uh, uh, honeymoon sorry and when I'm on my honeymoon I receive a phone call uh, to say that the club has been bought over and any contracts that had been agreed were now off the table. And and by that point, I'd spoken to my agent and said, look, I'm not really interested in going anywhere else. Uh, you know, there's a wee bit of interest from back up in Scotland, but I'd said, no, I'm quite happy at Blackpool. Da, 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 da. And, you know, then two, three, four weeks further down the line, that falls through. So I I ended up in a, in a bit of a no, no man's land, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I mean, I was, I had, I was happy to stay at Blackpool. But as I say, unfortunately, it never quite worked out. After Blackpool, you you come back up the road, and obviously you, you rejoined Motherwell. But am I right in saying it was Kilmarnock who you were originally close to signing for? Yeah, very close. Uh, very, very close. I think about half an hour away. To be honest with you, uh, the truth be told, um, which is actually when I'm sitting here saying that, it's quite scary actually since. You know what I've then went on to do. You know a bit of a sliding doors moment. You don't quite know if I did sign for Kamal. Listen, you know you don't know what could happen there. But 
you think what's happened at Motherwell since is it's aye sends a wee shiver down the spine. You think um, you know uh, uh, that thought of not being back at the football club. But yeah, I was training there, Jim Jeffries and, and Billy Brown. You know, had, I mean, I was scrambling for a club. I've got to be say, I mean, I, I had nothing at that point. As I said, that Blackpool thing happened late in the summer. I came back from honeymoon and I had nothing. You know, I came back up the road. Um, you know, I managed to get Jim had offered me to come in and just train. You know, there was no contract offer there. It was a case of come in and train. I did that, and actually, when I was in training, I picked up a small injury, a small thigh injury, which I've never had my puff. But you know, again, how that works out, I don't know. But anyway, I picked up a small injury, which was so frustrating because I couldn't quite even get my training going at Kelly. But anyway, eventually, I got there, and um, commander offered me a contract. And just as come on off my contract, I think the season had actually started. So I was, I shows you how, you know, scrambling, as I said, I was for a, for a club. The season actually started. I think Motherwell lost their first game, if I'm right. Um, and I think a couple of the players in Motherwell had said, look, I'm still out of contract. I've not got a club. Why don't you give, you know, give Laz a phone kind of thing? Uh, I didn't know that at the time, but I've subsequently, you know, I think Morris Malpass, well, Morris Malpass was the manager. So literally on the day I was offered a contract, I got a phone call from from um, from Stuart Robertson actually. Now <laughs> uh, Rangers, uh, it was it was our um, MD at the time at Motherwell, and he phoned me to to offer me a contract. And you know as soon as that happened, I told him the terms I'd you know been offered or whatever. I think it was actually slightly less uh, at Motherwell to be honest. But I just as soon as that phone call came, I just knew it was right. You know, unfortunately, I had to phone Jim and you know thank him very much for the training and for the for the for the offer. But I think he understood. Uh, you know, going back to to Mullow was was a big pull for me, and and thankfully, you know, that's what I did. And uh, you know, I joined. I think it was the second, third, or third week of the season. Um, and yeah, I managed to get back to Mullow. In terms of going back, Morris Malpass has always been. For me, maybe this is harsh. Known as more of a number two than than a manager. Is that something that? was kind of evident when he was in charge that he was maybe more comfortable being the number two rather than being the guy who all the pressure was really on for results? Yeah, I think possibly. I think that's, that's, that's probably a fair comment. You know, I think you'd have to ask uh, more himself, really. But, yeah, I think possibly. I think him and Terry had such a great relationship when they were there. Um, and, yeah, again, it never quite worked out, out for, 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 for more. Um, but, Listen, that can happen uh, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, we didn't have a great season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, uh, you know, as I say, it happens. And, and, and then Mark McGee comes in uh, and, you know, there's a there's a you know a massive turnaround at the club, really. Um, and, you know, I've said before uh, that, you know, that first six months under Mark is, is the best football that I've played in, full stop. You know, it was um, absolutely fantastic. And, and uh, I would say probably, you know, from then, I mean, I look back in my Motherwell career, really that, you know, going back uh, under Morris was a big moment, a massive moment. Uh, but that following season under Mark is really, from then on, is where, you know, the football club as a whole, and certainly, and for me personally, I feel as if, uh, you know, my career really, really kind of kicked on, if you like. In terms of Mark McGee, in terms of Mark McGee, sorry, in that Motherwell team, what was it that made it so successful? Because, as you say, that you mentioned the fact that it's the most enjoyable football you've played in, but it was also very successful. You think of the season you finished third, 
it, it was a very well-earned third. It was a comfortable third in terms of you were a team that every week and every game you were getting into, it seemed as if you were favourites, if not there or thereabouts, to win it. Yeah, which is mental, really, when you think of you know, the size of football clubs that are in the league uh, with us. And given, as I said, the disappointing season, you know, I think we were very close to relegation the year before. And the biggest thing that changed was mindset. It's pretty simple. It's, you know, Mark came in, you know, if, if you ever speak to Mark, the one thing he is is just positive. He's just a positive guy. And that, that you know, we, we were a club that were just, you know, as I said, just avoided relegation. You know, you came back in for pre-season and you think, you try not to, you want to aim as high as you can, but subconsciously, probably most of the players' minds are thinking, what's this season going to be? Is it going to be pretty much the same? You know, if we bob about in that bottom half and if we avoid relegation, stay in the league, yeah, great. You know, Mark comes in day one and says, you know, we're going to finish third. You know, and it's, it's you kind of sit in the dressing room, you have a wee glance at each other and you think, is is you know is this guy is he really think that you know he really thinks we can finish and and that was that you know from day one he was adamant that we were good enough to to ultimately do what we went on to do and I don't think we quite you know he he was the one that was dragging us along mentally to to to, to make us believe that and what he did is he just you know he had a group of young players that as I said before the characteristics would 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 run you know he tells us jump and we are saying how high and literally that's what we've done we went to Austria the hardest pre-season I've ever done uh, training three times a day running in a forest at seven o'clock in the morning and he just trained you know he just trained us and pushed us to the absolute limit and actually it's something now as a coach I look and we probably wouldn't go to the limits that we did you know given the the, the kind of sports science element of football now and uh, you know how well monitored the players are I mean Mark Mark pushed us to the absolute limit. Whether we were lucky with injuries, touch wood, um, yeah, you know, we were lucky with injuries at, at the time. Um, you know, how we never get more hamstring injuries and muscle injuries, I don't know, but we, we were on the absolute limit and it's as fit as I think I was ever I was ever as a player. And I think, you know, that allied to that mindset change, the fittest the team had ever been. Uh, and actually some decent players that probably were just suffering from a lack of confidence the previous season, all that added together, you know, then turned out uh, uh, you know, a, a really, really good season for the club. One of the players I want to ask you about from the time that Mark was in charge is Chris Porter, because during your time at Motherwell, it seems that you, the club's always got a knack of having a really good striker. It, 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 when you look through the years, there's like the year Higdon had, you've got Chris Porter, as I've mentioned, you think of um, Louis Moe in recent years as well. There seems to always be a, a top striker at Motherwell. Um, how good was Chris Porter for the club? Because the year that you finished third, he gets 18 goals, which is which is some achievement. Yeah, he, he was massive for us. You know, I, I think any good teams I've played in, they've always had a really good balance about them. You know, a balance between... Uh, you know, attack and defence, experience and youth. Uh, you know, as you say, having that person that can score a goal, having that creativity, having that hard edge, nasty edge when you need it, um, having a good togetherness, you know, all these things. And, you know, that team had that. We had, you know, Ross McCormick come in and the balance of the front three, Ross McCormick, Chris Porter and David Clarkson was just right. It was a bit of everything in there, you know, a good blend. A uh, natural number nine, Ross and Clarkie, who could bring that bit of guile. Um, 
So, uh, you know, the team just started to slot, you know, into the right, you know, round pegs and round holes, if you like, you know, all across the football pitch. And Chris was a massive part of that. As a number nine for us, he just, you know, he, he led the line, he brought other people into play, he, you know, he, he was a good penalty box striker. Uh, and remember, the manager was a striker himself, so you know he worked with Chris individually a lot as well, which I think was a big influence on him. And um, and yeah, you know, it, it, it was massive for us. I don't think we'd really had that guy that could score, was capable of scoring that amount of goals um, up until that point, you know, consistently. But I think Chris was another cog, if you like, that just fell into place, you know. Um, uh, and as I said, the team just ended up having a really good balance in it, and and um, and Chris was a was a massive part of that. Um, uh, you know, I think he's, Chris is still playing actually, and I think wherever he's gone, he's he always had that knack of scoring scoring goals. So, a big big part of of uh, you know why we were successful that season. Another player I used to like watching was Stephen Hughes. What was he like to play alongside with in midfield? Yeah, great. Again, I mean, I'm talking about the front three having a good balance in there. And again, Stephen Hughes was great for us because, you know, I was a workman-like player, like to combative, say, wait to win the ball back. But if I can win the ball back and give it to him, you know, that was my job, you know. And then Stephen then done the next bit in terms of finding that final pass for a Chris Porter, for a Ross McCormick, for a, for a David Clarkson. So I think the midfield started to have that 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 balance about it as well, uh, which was again, as I said there before, just so important to a to a winning team. But you know what he brought was just a different level. I think you know he'd been at Rangers, he'd been used to training and playing at a different, maybe just a different intensity, a different level. Um, and as I say, yeah, that 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 little bit of guile that maybe the team had lacked before, uh, that final pass, that killer pass. Um, that bit of kind of disguised final pass, if you like, you know, uh, that that's that's what Stephen brought, and um, and I kind of raised the profile of the team as well, you know, ex Rangers, and um, you know, just the the level of the player that we were bringing in, um, you know, I think Stephen was another addition to that, took us took took us up a level as a team, so um, he was he was very very influential. With Mark McGee being very successful in the third place finish, he was linked with lots of jobs, most notably the Celtic job. He was heavily linked with, and many believe he had a right good chance of getting that job. Do you think that affected him at all in the sense that that attention maybe turned his head? Because we all know he eventually leaves the club for pastures now as well. Yeah, possibly, possibly. You know, there was a lot of speculation at the time. As his players, you could feel that. You kind of knew, you knew it was there. You knew. I think the the interest was genuine. You know, it felt genuine at the time. I remember that. You know, I remember that feeling as a group of players that, uh, you know, you you thought there was a good chance of of uh, you know something happening. Um, and yeah, I think in, in honesty that the the following season, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking back about the pre-season having that real intensity, that real edge, and. You know, don't get me wrong, it's still hard, the, the, you know, the following year and still, you know, similar messages and training and things like that. But, you know, I, I feel as if I did sense just something wasn't quite there, you know, it wasn't just quite as, as um, uh, I don't know what the best word is to describe, intense maybe is the right word, I don't know. But, yeah, there was maybe just something missing, you know, that, that, that was, was, was there. 
the year before. Um, and I think ultimately that's why you know the, the following season wasn't just quite as as good as uh, what, what the previous season was. But um, no, I mean, I mean, there can still be other contributory factors to that, but certainly, um, you know, I think that 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 may there may have been a little uh, drop off there. Why do you think it didn't work out for for Jim Gannon when when he replaces Mark? Because I've spoken to to Jim O'Brien and and he said it was like chalk and cheese. He said that the contrast was massive. Yeah, well, you know. I'd... I think Jim Gann is a separate podcast, to be honest with you. But with with that, you know, some a guy that I certainly I just never got on with uh, seemed to have a, you know, I don't know for certain, but certainly had a predetermined idea of that he wanted to, uh, you know, move on. Possibly certain members of the squad, and uh, from a coaching perspective. Uh, again, you know, being on this side of it, a lot of respect for him as a coach. Fantastic detail. Um, knows how to coach a team. Knows how to mould a team. Knows how to, um, you know, uh, analyse opposition, nullify opposition, um, and 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 fantastic out in the grass. But you know, where I felt as if the disconnect was was you know the man to man stuff. You know, the the man to man management, if you like. And not just myself I'm talking about here, you know, the the football club as a whole, I felt as if that was lacking. Um, but he was a manager, you know, so you've got to go along with that. I felt, you know, I found myself out the team and, and not involved and, again, very close to, to leaving the club. But, uh, you know, and as I said before, that's that's fine. You, you kind of, you, you have to accept that. Uh, but it was more... You know the way things were happening around about the club that, that you felt was you know wasn't wasn't quite right, um, uh, but you know that's football. That's just what you know. Certainly, my own my own chapter, my own journey at Motherwell. It was a very enjoyable one for me personally. Um, but you know that's football. You know it's not all going to be rosy. You've got to show a bit of resilience. Uh, as I say, I was close to leaving. Not that I wanted to for any. Uh, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go for any length of time, but uh, it just got to a point for me where I just couldn't see any any way forward for me at, at the club, which was heartbreaking, really. But you know, it's just the reality. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still a professional. I've got to provide for my family, and it got to a point where I was probably a day or two away from leaving. You know, so thankfully that never happened for me personally. And uh, you know, uh, then Craig and Archie came in, which was a massive turning point again for me in my own career. Um, but I think for the club also, I think it was it was it was the best thing. And that's my own personal opinion. Uh, that that was that was a good move for the club. And I think from when Craig and Archie, the club actually started moving forward again. Well, funnily enough, I was about to mention as well um, that I, I interviewed Gordon Young, and he was obviously involved at the club at that time. And he summed it up by saying. When Jim Gannon left, Craig and Archie were the perfect combination to bring in just to, not only for what they could do on the pitch and the training, but just to lift the whole place with their, their personalities. Yeah, you know, they were brilliant. They were, they were exactly what was needed, to be honest with you. As I say, I felt as if there was a lot of issues in terms of the relationships with um, within the building and Craig... Uh, but in particular, is the is the you know fantastic at building relationships, rebuilding relationships all throughout the football club, um, with players, with staff, with office staff, with with everyone. Um, and Craig was a perfect guy to do that. Um, 
alongside that, Archie, with his expertise out in the training field and um, and kind of being that driver alongside that was a fantastic combination. I felt at the at the right time, uh, and for me personally, it was it, it you know it was fantastic. You know they were they were they were uh, great with me. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. It was in that case. Uh, you know, the boys that were out of the team went straight back into the team. You had to earn your place like everybody else. But you know, what I had was an opportunity at least to get back in the team. Um, and just two proper football men for me. You know, and as I said before, with Terry Butcher, Archie Knox is very much of the same mould. You know, when you need to be told, you're told. It's simple as that. But um, you know, there's a real honesty behind it. Uh, there's always a reason behind it. Um, and somebody who's training and, and things always well thought out always enjoyable and you know they just know football inside out and as I said as you said they are summed up perfectly they were just the perfect combination that the club needed at that time Gordon describes them as being like Jack and Victor from Still Game just because of their sort of mannerisms obviously they were they were more, more experienced shall we say at that age they weren't the, the young the young things anymore is that, is that something that came across with them as well? Yeah, you know, I think they'd probably just laugh and go along with that, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, but, you, you know, you either know football or you don't. You know, it's, it's um, it, you know, I think age sometimes can be used, um, uh, you know, as a bit of a barrier sometimes. You know, oh, he's too old, he doesn't know the game anymore. The game's moved on and things like that, you know. And maybe in some instances that is true with certain coaches. But, you know, for us... You know, Craig and Archie, as as we spoke about there, were just exactly what we needed. We needed a calm head. We need some, you know, somebody to manage the team and build relationships again within the football club, which I felt had had broken down. And we needed Archie there to, to be alongside that and drive the training, drive the drive, drive the team as well um, on the pitch, drive the dressing room, um, and and it just worked. It just worked, you know. And um, I think you saw that with the results. You saw that with uh, you know they put the building blocks in place for then Stuart to come in and take that mantle on Stuart McCall um, and I think Craig and Archie I think it ended acrimoniously I don't think they're held in the highest regard by the fans uh, because they ended up at you know ended up leaving went to Aberdeen and you know it never ended great uh, with the club uh, as a whole I don't think but certainly for me I still think they played a, a big part in the club's recent success in terms of the European um Adventures and and uh, you know the, the success since that that period. So uh, somebody asked though people. I think Craig was eighty the other week. There actually, I sent him a wee message. Um, still thanking them for for helping turn around my career at Motherwell um, because the 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 two of them. Uh, I certainly owe a debt of gratitude to the two of them. And as I said before, they are reiterated two people that I think were were very important in the club's recent success. Sum up the madness of that six each game against Hibs because I watched it back in Sky when they replayed it during the lockdown and it's just some of the goals in it are crazy. The whole yeah. game is just mad that you just don't know what's coming next. Yeah, I, I was actually injured for the game, so I was in the stand watching it, but crazy, just crazy. You know, I remember at the time, um, you know, six two. I think there was <laughs> there was a few people. In, Went up the road, uh, pr- probably quite rightly. Uh, but you know, and then I think the manner of the goal as well, Big Jukes's goal at the end, just kind of summed up the whole proceedings. You know, just uh, just the, the, the way it goes into the net, Van Basten esque. You know, so uh, you know, just an incredible game of football. Um, 
you know, and again, a classic probably sums up Motherwell. I think that roller coaster ride as a Motherwell fan, I think any Motherwell fan will tell you it's there's uh, usually a lot of ups and downs along the way, and I think there's a lot of ups and downs just in that one ninety minutes there. Um, but fantastic entertainment. Um, you know, uh, again, uh, probably an indication of the spirit that Craig and Archie had reinstilled into the team to come back the way they did. Um, and aye, you know, just a fantastic and uh, fantastic watch. I think a game that will go down in history, really, for, for forevermore. Um, so no, it was unbelievable to be there and and, and witness it. We talked about the Mark McGeer, the fact the season you finished third is very successful, but. Stuart McCall comes in, we know the situation with Rangers not being in the league, but you finish second, which is, is incredible when you, even with Rangers out of the league, that's still an incredible achievement when you compare Motherwell and their budget to Alexa Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs, and Dundee United even at that time. I mean, just unbelievable. What was what was his era in charge like? Because for the most part, it was very successful. Yeah, it was. Again, you know, someday that uh, I'm still in touch with somebody that again I hold, hold in high regard. He was, you know, Stuart was who gave me gave me the captaincy, which again a massive honour for myself to do that uh, to do that role for I think five or six years for the football club. Um, and somebody that really just moved on what Craig and Archie had rebuilt. I felt Stuart then kind of kicked that on and, and moved that on. And, you know, I said before, Mark's first six months was probably the best football I played in. Um, I think Stuart's period was probably my most enjoyable, my most, probably my best personally um, as a Motherwell player. Um, you know, I talked right at the start about being feeling inadequate and feeling uh, when I first walked into the Motherwell dressing room. And I think probably Stuart's period was where I felt right, I'm actually a big part of this, you know, I don't mean that in the sense of being the captain, I just feel as if it got to a point for me where I actually, right, I feel what a footballer now, I'm, I'm actually a kind of one of the main players in the team, if you like, and uh, it probably did take to that point to, to actually had that feeling, you know, and um, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Stuart did a, a fantastic job. You mentioned the second place finish there, and I think the consistency the team showed around about that time is just yeah, is just uh, you know unbelievable. Really, I know Rangers were out of the league, but still for us to show that consistency to finish second and uh, you know of our, our European finishes the way we did on a consistent basis there, I think can't be underestimated um, with a small squad. Um, yeah, we probably were lucky with injuries along the way, but you know, in terms of budgets, as you say, and size of our squad, I think it was a fantastic achievement. And actually, finished second. That that game at Aberdeen is still the kind of fifteen seconds of my football career I look back on with the most joy and just brings a smile to my face. And you know, one of the one of the kind of slight regrets you have is you, you weren't lucky enough to lift a cup for for the club. Uh, or be involved in a cup win, you know, that moment felt like a cup win. That was as close as I think we felt to a cup win, to clinch it the way we did, to get second place, to to clinch Champions League football for Mullow, which is just ridiculous even saying it, uh, but in a good way. Um, it was just unbelievable. So, so many good times under Stuart. As I said, my most enjoyable time personally, uh, and something I just, you know, a period at the club that I just still look back on with so much fondness. You've got the Stuart McCall era, you've got Mark McGee's second spell, and then obviously you finish with Stephen Robinson being your manager before you then work in the staff with him. 
what's it like when you become one of the, the elder statesmen of the team when you're that guy who's known for being at the club for a number of years and the fans look to as being their leader on the pitch, obviously with the armband, but even if you didn't have the armband, because of how long you were there, you were really seen as Mr Motherwell at that point. Yeah, yeah, and I think, as I said before there, it was probably from kind of Stuart's era onwards that, I, you know, that's probably when I did start to feel that way. I felt as if, right, I, I, you know, I need to play my part in, in uh, you know, being the captain and helping others and help drive the football club in, in any way I could as the captain, um, represent it the best way I could uh, and really feel a part of the club, if you like, you know. So, um, you know, that was special to me. It's, it's been such a, you know, a... a Motherwell has just been so special to me and my family. It's just, it's just be, played such a, a big part in our lives, and continues to do so. Obviously, um, but by the, by the time I get to then playing under, you know, Stephen, the current manager, you kind of, it's, uh, it's well, there's a little bit of sadness in there because you kind of know it's coming to an end. You know, for any footballer coming towards the end uh, of their career. Uh, you can kind of see it coming over the horizon, and uh, it's no, it's not the nicest thought in the world. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually, when I took the the, the job and Steve, uh, you know, the manager offered me the, the job of the assistant, I actually still had a year's contract left playing, and actually, I felt physically I could have done it, but it's that feeling of knowing when to get out and knowing. Uh, not overstaying your welcome, not becoming that player that you almost become resented because you've went that year too far and. You don't want to, um, you don't want to, uh, you know, all that work you've done to build up a reputation with the fans and with, uh, you know, your colleagues, and you don't want to waste that by hanging about too long and being that old guy that's, as I say, has has uh, stayed a, a year longer than he should have. So, you know, that's all the things I had to weigh up in my mind when the opportunity came up, and ultimately, when once I, I had uh, taken time to to think that over. I just felt as if the opportunity was too too good to turn down in terms of moving into the coaching side of it, particularly going, uh, you know, as as uh, you know, the manager's assistant, which I felt was a big opportunity. So, um, yeah, it was it was the last you know couple of months were tough because I knew what was coming. Um, but again, looking back on it, with such a you know sense of pride as as to what you had done, uh, you know, what you had achieved. How do you look back in your career as a whole? You mentioned their pride at what you achieved, but to get a testimonial to captain a club that means so much to you and now be involved as the assistant manager at the club, it's it's an incredible career. Um, a lot of people in football would kill for even half of that career. So how how do you reflect on it? Um, you know, I mean, I touched on it earlier, but um, I'm so thankful that I have uh, had a different way into football you know I'm so thankful that I had that time when I left school as I said I had that proper job uh, for want of a better expression and I think what that's given me is a real drive and 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 appreciation I think is the best way of doing it of knowing what you've got and and that's I think what drove me on particularly even when it got to the latter end of my career to actually appreciate what I've got or what I've you know what I did have as a player if you like just looking at my playing career as a whole um, you know, because I think you can get to the end, and as I said there before, you think, "Oh, I never won a, we never won a cup, and we never done this." But I think having that appreciation and that thing of, well, we, you know, I played over twenty odd games in Europe for Motherwell, I captain Motherwell Football Club, I had a testimonial, as you say, and all these things. If you'd have sat me down at nineteen and said, 
this is what's going to happen to you by the time you get to 37, 38. I'd have just thought you were mental, to be perfectly honest, you know, because how inadequate I felt when I first walked in the building to then fast forward 20 years and, and that. So I'm just so thankful for that. Just thankful that I've had the, the opportunity uh, to do that. And, and it's just pride. You look back and I, to be honest, it's not something I sit and actually do a lot. You know, you, you maybe, it's maybe when you do something like this and you speak to other people about it. And I think because I'm still involved in it, you don't, you know, maybe if I'm, I was to leave the club, you know, hopefully that's not going to happen anytime soon. But if it does happen, maybe that's the time where I will actually sit down properly and think, oh, right, that was, that was pretty good, you know. Um, but you don't get too much. I don't, I've not sat and done it a lot. But, you know, thinking quickly just now, and as I say, when you do these things, you know, the first thing is pride. You just think it's a great opportunity. What an opportunity I had. I think I made the most out of myself, which I feel good about. You know, I think you don't want to get to the end of your career and think, right, I could have been better than I was. I'm not sure I could have been. I think I was pretty much got as good as I could, which feels good because you have no regrets that way. And then, you know, I feel good that I'm still I'm still here. You know, that's that's the other thing. You know, the chance to it's okay. One thing, finishing your career, which as I said, is a hard thing um, to deal with mentally anyway. Uh, but the fact if I was to leave, finish football and have to leave the club, I think that would be a whole new kettle of fish. So the fact I can still stay at the football club and still hopefully play a part or play a part in it moving forward is is uh, is fantastic for me and something that I certainly I don't underestimate and I don't take for granted. And um, you know I'm just loving it and, and, and enjoying what I'm doing now, still being part of the club. Before I finish with a round of quick fire questions, I want to speak to you about the late Phil O'Donnell. Just just what was he like to play alongside? What was he like as a person? Because the outpouring of emotion you see within the game whenever he's mentioned just sums up to me, who obviously didn't know him personally. He, he just seemed like a, an incredible human being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a gentleman, just an absolute gentleman. And some days, as I say, I spoke to you about Scott Leach in terms of taking on the captaincy. and um, You know, when you get offered that role, and some people nowadays think it's not, you know, maybe got as much sway as it used to have or much influence or whatever but to me when I had got that phone call from Stuart I remember it uh, you know, from me that you know Phil was one of the first person people I thought about you know just because he was my captain as well you know somebody that again led the the, the football club led the dressing room did it in a different way from Leachy did it but did it just as it just he just had that respect about him because of the way he treated everybody around about him. You know, he had a fantastic football career. He played at some massive football clubs. But to us, he was just, he was more worried about getting the best out of us than he was out of himself. He was just so selfless, so humble. Um, just manners, the way he carried himself in the football club, on the pitch. Somebody that I found an inspiration, and as I said, when I took on the captaincy, it was somebody that I, you know, looked to to think, right, that's how I want to do it as well. That's exactly how I want to try and carry myself. That's the standards I want to set in training every day. That's the way I want to compete when I'm out in the, you know, playing playing the game. Um, you know that, you know, and Phil was that 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 every single day. You know, there wasn't ever a day where he came in. And you know, you never, you never saw that he was, he was grumpy or he was not respectful to the young players or whatever it was. He was like that twenty four seven example. Um, as I said, humble, 
you know, got the best out of himself every single day, uh, you know, set set example, whatever he was doing. And you no, know, to me that was him. You know, that 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 was that you know, take the football out of it, just him as a person. Um, you know, that that was him. And, you know, as I said, somebody that you know, you still think about, uh, and and somebody that, you know, you still take inspiration from. Someone who, as you say, a very nice tribute there, but is, is solely missed by so many, not just at Motherwell itself, taking other clubs that he's been at as well in, in Scottish football as a whole. And just characters like that make the game what it is. Before I let you go, Keith, um, just a few quick fire questions for you. Favourite sport outside of football? Golf. Best golfer you've played with? Oh, best golfer I've played with. Uh, I'd say the manager's definitely got the dodgiest handicap I've played with. I'll, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll, I'll say that. To 18 handicap, absolutely ridiculous. He's much better than that. <laughs> um, beer or wine? Oh, both if I can. Just a, just a wee small one of each would be nice. <laughs> Beach holiday or city break? Oh, New York's my favourite city. I'd probably say New York. I'd say city then, city. Are you a box set guy or a film guy? Oh, that's a toughie. Uh, I'll go box set, Peaky Blinders. That's my favourite. You you mentioned New York there. Where's the most unusual place you've had to travel to with football? And I don't mean unusual in a derogatory sense. I just mean unusual in the sense that if it wasn't for football, you probably would never have went there. Oh, I would say Albania against Flamutari, where we we stayed in Tirana, but we had a two-hour bus journey. And as we got half an hour from the stadium, there was... Buildings with bullet holes and uh, bits missing from them, which was a bit disconcerting on the way to a Europa League tie. So that was, yeah, uh, the kind of I, I Albania. I'll put it that. I'll put it that way, Albania. <laughs> um, who would you say is the biggest character you played with? Oh, that's a tough. There's been a few. Uh, Steve McGarry, Mark McGee days. Is Stephen Craig in as serious as he appears on TV? Uh, no, not all the time. He, Craig's has got a good karaoke song in him. He's got a <laughs> uh, good rack on tour, good story in him. I think, in fact, I think he's doing a bit after dinner speaking as well, but no, he's, he's, uh, he's lively as well when he has to be on Craig's. Toughest direct opponent in your career? Oh, a young Barry Ferguson most underrated player you played with and they might have been somebody that people would listen to this might say oh no they were rated but maybe someone that when you played with him you thought he's even better than the credit he gets oh that's a, that's a good question I don't know if he gets he probably does still get credit from thinking about probably my best partner in midfield, I thought, was Steve Jennings, who maybe doesn't get, you know, as much adulation, but he was, as I say, I felt as if my best partner uh, in midfield. Um, combative, no, not, as I say, you know, be raking passes all over the place, but for some reason, me and him just worked together. Um, so I would say Steve Jennings. 
Last question I've got for you, just totally kind of off topic. Tam Cowan, big Motherwell fan, normally hosts the end of year dues. What's the worst slagging you or one of the boys has got for him? <laughs> uh, oh, God, there's been that many. There's been that many. Um, oh, I don't even know a particular one. But it gives me stick all the time, to be honest with you. If I, 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 my nickname's a housewife's favourite. I don't know how I got that right, but he likes to he likes to use that as a starting point. Put it that way of of uh, slagging me at any at any opportunity. I never gave myself that nickname, by the way. Um, but no, I mean Tam's absolutely brilliant. He does all our stuff. I don't think he takes a penny for it either. And I've got to say, he's 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 a big big supporter of the club. He does whatever he can, anytime he can. And uh, but. Aye, I can't think off the top of my head, unfortunately, but there's been plenty, put it that way. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure, Keith. And the, the million-dollar question, I, I do want to ask you before I go, but I don't want to put, put you under pressure to answer it. You're obviously number two at Motherwell at the moment. Um, in the future, 10 years down the line, would you like to be a manager in your own right? doesn't necessarily need to be Motherwell, of course, but is that something you've got an ambition to do one day? Yeah, I think so. I think so. One day, you know, I'm I'm very happy uh, doing what I'm doing at the moment. Um, uh, you know, I think the as you said right at the top, the the, the news that Stephen's staying is fantastic news for everyone for the football club. I'm absolutely loving working alongside him. But um, but yeah, you know, sometime in the future, you know, I'm not in a hurry. You know, I've listened to enough coaches and managers to know that you know you don't have to be in too much of a hurry. Um, and you know I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing as I say I learn all the time but yeah ultimately one day I would uh, you know I would would like a like a shot at the mad world of football management yes Brilliant Keith it's been a pleasure thanks for being so generous with your time and I wish you and the club all the very best for the season ahead and the long term future as well No problem at all enjoyed it So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will Dive down to the ocean and we'll make her home.